Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corrine Pettit, and I'm here today with Dr. So Yum Peck from Texas Dermatology Associates based in Dallas to talk about the connection between psoriasis and concurrent health conditions. Dr. Peck is the Assistant Program Director for Baylor Dermatology Residency Program and Assistant Clinical Professor of Dermatology for Texas A&M Medical School. In February of 2019, the American Academy of Dermatology and the National Psoriasis Foundation released joint guidelines about the management and treatment of psoriasis with awareness and attention to comorbidities. Today, we'll talk about some of the conditions mentioned in those guidelines and what they mean for you as a patient. Welcome, Dr. Peck. So we know that psoriasis is a chronic and immune-mediated disease that's visible on the skin. We also know that research clearly indicates psoriasis is more than just a skin disease. Inflammation associated with psoriasis affects many systems in the body. Can you please mention what diseases are known to be associated with psoriatic disease? Sure. Um, well, thanks, Corrine, for having me on, first of all. I think this is a very important topic for patients with psoriasis to understand that their skin disease actually goes beyond the skin and beyond what is just visible. Some of the more common comorbidities or, or what we call associated conditions with psoriasis include psoriatic arthritis or joint involvement, cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, which actually refers to a collection of different conditions, including diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol, and then uh, mental health conditions, including depression and anxiety, and inflammatory bowel disease, including Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. And these are just a, a handful of the diseases we know that are associated with psoriasis. Well, let's talk a little bit about what factors impact development of such diseases. Does the severity of the skin disease and the duration impact the development of psoriatic arthritis or cardiovascular disease or really any of the other diseases you mentioned? Yes, absolutely, it does. So now that we understand that psoriasis is a chronic inflammatory condition, we really want to be monitoring and checking the inflammation. And a lot of times what is visible on the skin is indicative of the amount of inflammation that may be occurring internally. Um, in, in particular, in psoriatic arthritis, which we know is, is the most common associated condition with psoriasis, so joint involvement, up to a third of patients with psoriasis may develop develop psoriatic arthritis. Often the case is that patients will present first with their skin disease with psoriasis, but then many years later, the joint disease may present itself. So in terms of duration of disease, a patient or an individual who's had psoriasis for, for quite a while may be at, at higher risk of, of actually observing signs or symptoms of psoriatic arthritis and joint involvement. And the prevalence of psoriatic arthritis does increase as the d disease duration increases, meaning the longer you have psoriasis, the higher risk, as I just mentioned. In addition, we're, we're learning more and more about the cardiovascular system and cardiovascular disease, in particular in psoriatic patients. There's actually been a, a, a lot of research in that area. Well, and isn't psoriatic disease as a whole associated with a greater risk for cardiovascular disease? And if so, why is that the case? 
Yes. So psoriatic disease as a whole is associated with a greater risk. And it all relates back to what we discussed about the inflammatory state and inflammation. And now that we understand that the psoriasis goes beyond the skin, the inflammation is visible on the skin from psoriasis, but internally you'll see inflammation within different organ systems. And in particular for cardiovascular disease, if there's greater inflammation that can relate to its effects on internal organs, and that is poorly controlled, and then that will lead ultimately to cardiovascular disease. And the same applies for diabetes. And what types of cardiovascular disease tend to be more prevalent among people with psoriatic disease? So the different types of cardiovascular disease that have been evaluated in patients with psoriasis in particular include myocardial infarction or, or MI, which is also known as a heart attack, stroke, and and then something called coronary artery calcification, which actually directly correlates with atherosclerosis or uh, a, a a risk factor for developing any of these cardiovascular events. The studies that have been done, there have been several different um, studies out of the National Institutes of Health, out of University of Pennsylvania with different investigators. And actually, there's a cardiologist who does a lot of the the studies, Dr. Mehta at NIH, very interested in this very topic, that have shown these particular events to be higher in patients with psoriasis. And the incidence rates are how often often we see these rates seems to directly correlate with the inflammatory burden, uh, meaning how much psoriasis a patient has. And it seems that patients with more severe psoriasis, as you may assume, will have more inflammation and thus a higher risk of developing all of these associated conditions. Can you speak to the study results associated with the use of TNF inhibitors to reduce the risk of cardiovascular events? Yes, absolutely. In terms of the studies that that looked at the use of TNF inhibitors to reduce the risk of cardiovascular events, I think these are actually very, very interesting studies that were done. There were a series of, of studies called the VIP studies or vascular inflammation and psoriasis done mostly by Dr. Gelfand out at University of Pennsylvania. And these are actually ongoing studies. But the original one looked at adalimumab or Humira is, is the, the brand name of, of adalimumab. It is a TNF alpha inhibitor, and just evaluated that versus phototherapy versus um, control patients and looked at the inflammation and and how that was affected by the use of TNF-alpha inhibitors. Um, And interestingly enough, there was a significant reduction in vascular inflammation that was observed through imaging. They did some PET imaging and they looked at different scores. So there appears to be a protective effect uh, with use of TNF-alpha inhibitors um, in patients with psoriasis that could directly affect their cardiovascular risk. This is an area of of significant importance and also of, of interest. And they're looking at whether or not some of the newer medications and newer biologics with different targets may have the same effects. I know now they're doing a study with ustekinumab or Stellara. That's called the VIPS-S study, and that is looking at the same thing um, with patients on ustekinumab to see if that will positively affect their cardiovascular risk over time. 
Well, that's exciting. But I also know that a lot of patients will say, oh, I already have psoriasis. Now I have to worry about heart disease too. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) We know from surveys that there's a large population of our patients that are under treating. So have there been any studies on if a topical is working to reduce the skin symptoms? Does that help internally also? There have been some studies, actually, and they're sort of corollaries of the ones that I just mentioned. But the amount of inflammation that is visible on the skin seems to directly correlate with the amount of inflammation that is internal. So if a patient has mild psoriasis and it's controlled with topicals, their risk is probably not not very high. However, if a patient with severe psoriasis is treated only with topical medications, that is a direct indication that their internal inflammation is not being well controlled. So their their risk of these events does remain high over time. And just in general, in healthy patients or in in what I would say the, the portion of patients without psoriasis, over time, your risk of cardiovascular events increases anyways because of the process of aging and other factors that play into it. But with psoriasis, you're already at a higher risk. So interestingly enough, a lot of these studies looked at younger population of patients with psoriasis, and they found their risk of cardiovascular events to be much higher than their similar peers in their age group without psoriasis. And that, I think, is a very important point to note because it doesn't mean that it's it's in addition just to the aging process. I mean, in young patients, you should not really have such a high risk, but psoriasis can put you at a much higher risk. Wow, that gives me goosebumps. Well, on the topic of medications, is it true that hypertensive medications can initiate or even flare psoriasis? This is something that they did actually look at retrospective chart data and databases to see if there was an association. One of the medications that comes up quite a bit are beta blockers, or that, that includes all the medications that end in LOL, like metoprolol, labetalol. Those are just some examples. But beta blockers historically have been thought to, to cause or to flare psoriasis. I think a lot of dermatologists will advise their patients if they're on a beta blocker or they're experiencing a flare of their psoriasis and they were recently started on a beta blocker medication, an antihypertensive medication, that perhaps you, we would want to work with your primary care doctor to find an alternative because there are many choices for blood pressure medications. And if we, if we can, we'd like to avoid the ones that could potentially flare the psoriasis. So we've heard that there's an association between psoriasis and inflammatory bowel disease. Do you know why that might occur? There is a strong association, I think, genetically, actually. There's psoriasis and, and IBD, both Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, are genetically linked chromosomally um, to each other. So just inherently in the psoriasis population, and roughly the numbers are 2 in 1,000 for Crohn's or 1 in 1,000 for ulcerative colitis, but you have an increased prevalence of both conditions in patients with psoriasis in general. Other than the genetic link, there's also patients who are predisposed to autoimmune conditions in general. But in addition to that, there are certain treatments out there now, newer biologics, that do have a concern for inflammatory bowel disease in their in their label. And in particular, the interleukin-17 inhibitors do have a warning in their label for possible exacerbation or onset of Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. I think our gastroenterology colleagues would agree to avoid 
avoid this class of medication in patients who are predisposed. It's important to know that there are um, some s- studies being conducted currently, there have been some studies that have been published, have shown that perhaps the interleukin-23 may be beneficial for inflammatory bowel disease. And then the interleukin-12 and 23 medication, ustekinumab, which is available, is actually approved for Crohn's already. We've talked a little bit about this, but given psoriasis is a systemic disease, what factors should be included when considering treatment options for psoriatic disease? As I tell many of my patients, this is actually a really exciting time for psoriasis patients and for psoriasis in general because we've come such a long way in understanding how the disease works and how we can directly impact patients through identifying specific mechanisms in immunology, but also identifying different comorbidities and associated diseases and trying to address all of that together. So in this exciting time with newer biologics and newer targeted therapies, I, I think it's it's very prudent to remember that we do want to reduce the inflammatory burden overall. So when you think about the different treatment options available, I think the way I approach my patients, you know, we work together to decide a good treatment option for them based on their individual characteristics, their particular family history, their lifestyle, thinking about whether they have a history of inflammatory bowel disease or not, whether they have a history of of psoriatic arthritis or not, and kind of taking a treatment approach in that respect. But the most important, I think, is to recognize that psoriasis is a systemic disease, and we have very good data to show that some of these medications in newer biologics are able to reduce that inflammation overall and really reduce that cardiovascular risk, reduce the risk for joint destruction. So those are factors to consider when deciding on treatment options for psoriasis. And so would you say that addressing mental health is also part of the comprehensive care for patients with psoriatic disease? Isn't it true that people who have psoriatic disease have a higher incidence of depression and anxiety? Yes, that's absolutely true. As I mentioned earlier, mental health issues, including depression and anxiety, are much more prevalent in psoriasis patients. In fact, I think patients with psoriasis are one and a half times more likely to have depression than control patients in certain studies. So what they also have found is that in order to address the mental health aspect of it, it's directly correlated with, I think, quality of life and sort of the burden of disease that occurs when psoriasis is poorly controlled. As you can imagine, if you have a lot of psoriasis involving body surface area, then you are less likely to be very active in, in presenting yourself in public spaces, etc. So um, addressing, first of all, the psoriasis and addressing the inflammation, I think, can can help in addressing the mental health aspect of psoriasis. And the depression or anxiety that may be associated often does improve with systemic therapy. And as patient psoriasis um, redu- is reduced and that body surface area is reduced, that, that just refers to the amount of psoriasis a patient has. Once that's reduced, we find that the, the depression anxiety also improves. So does lifestyle play a role in development of some of the diseases you mentioned earlier, such as metabolic syndrome? And if so, what lifestyle changes can help reduce that risk associated with these diseases? 
This is a very important point to to mention. And lifestyle does play a big role in some uh, of the associated conditions with psoriasis. And just to kind of name a few: diet, exercise, smoking, and alcohol intake. And I kind of talk about each point individually because we we know in general diet can directly affect obesity, and obesity can affect these other factors, including cardiovascular risk. It increases your risk of of diabetes, of myocardial infarction or, or heart attack, of stroke, etc. But diet, including having a a low carbohydrate diet or a diet that will help with weight loss is actually very important. In general, we know that psoriasis patients tend to have a higher body mass index or have more prevalence of obesity. And obesity can play a direct role because of the the fat cells, the adipocytes, we call them. The fat cells actually can release inflammatory markers and contribute further to some of the inflammation that we see in psoriasis in general. So in order to reduce that burden, weight loss is very important. Um, and that can be achieved through a combination of diet and exercise. The National Psoriasis Foundation, the MPF, has recommended guidelines for dietary recommendations from the medical board of the MPF. And I think that's a great resource and something I refer my patients to. And then exercise in general is very important for psoriasis patients to be active because I think a sedentary lifestyle leads to, of course, it, it doesn't not help with obesity, but it also leads to more joint issues down the line. So to, to get an, a good exercise routine into your lifestyle is very important for, for control of psoriasis. In addition to that, smoking has been directly linked with psoriasis, and several studies have confirmed that smoking will increase your flares, your psoriasis flares, and, and really diminish the efficacy of some of the treatments that we may offer. So trying to limit smoking or stop smoking altogether would be ideal. Not always easy, but that is something that should be considered. And finally, alcohol intake. And this is a little more difficult, I think, for some patients to understand, but alcohol does worsen psoriasis. But in general, I think psoriasis patients we know drink more alcohol than uh, control patients in certain studies. So trying to just reduce the amount of alcohol that is consumed can also potentially help psoriasis. Ah, that's interesting. Do you think that it's a correlation to depression and anxiety? Yes, absolutely. I think they're all interlinked. A patient who is feeling depressed and anxious about their disease is going to be more prone to reach for the bottle and trying to to kind of forget some of what's going on through alcohol. But it, it is important to recognize that that does play a big role in psoriasis can, and can, in fact, worsen it. So you end up in sort of a little cycle Well, thank you for the shout out about our diet guide. And we'll give our listeners a little bit more information at the end of this show on how to get that. So what do you feel as a dermatologist you can do to effectively reduce risk factors associated with concurrent diseases? Are there any screenings that can be done? As a dermatologist, we are really the physicians to manage our psoriasis patients. And although I always encourage every single patient to to seek a good relationship with a primary care doctor who will be following them longer term for their other associated diseases, I personally make sure that I am, you know, looking at patients' blood pressure and evaluating whether or not they demonstrate signs of higher risk for any of these other, you know, cardiovascular events or psoriatic arthritis or whatnot. So screening is a big part of it. 
So in closing, what do you feel is the most important message you'd like people with psoriatic disease to take away from today's discussion? I think the fact that psoriasis is a systemic inflammatory condition with many, many other associated diseases and comorbidities, that fact is very important to recognize. Because if we treat psoriasis just as a skin disease, that may not really be appropriately treating the underlying um, internal issues that we've observed, especially with inflammation that can occur. And if we think about psoriasis as a systemic condition, then we really should be managing patients beyond just what is visible. If patients also recognize that, they would perhaps feel more comfortable, I think, with certain treatments that could that could certainly help their skin, but in the future, perhaps help reduce their overall risk of heart disease, of stroke, of joint involvement, and et cetera. But mostly, we hope that patients may be really empowered by this knowledge, because not all physicians are aware there are actually still many doctors who don't think psoriasis is systemic or, or it's a chronic inflammatory condition. So um, really educating patients to know more about their condition and know about all the studies that have been done about psoriasis and what data we have so that you can take this information and go ask your dermatologist and just say, hey, do you think I need to be screened for heart disease? Do you think I need to be screened for diabetes, et cetera? And as I mentioned previously, the inflammation starts at a young age. So it's not if you're young and you don't think you're at risk, but psoriasis as an inflammatory disease does increase your risk. So just to consider that as treating your disease as a whole. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Peck, for providing an informative look at psoriasis and the related diseases and for really empowering our listeners to ask questions and be informed. On behalf of the MPF, we appreciate your time and efforts to be on Soundbites today. Thank you for having me, Karina. It's my pleasure. To access the diet guide Dr. Peck mentioned in today's episode, contact the MPF's Patient Navigation Center at 1-800-723-9166, option 1, or by email at education at psoriasis.org. As a reminder, August is Psoriasis Action Month. Take action by trying our interactive treatment quiz at psoriasis.org forward slash psoriasis hyphen action hyphen month, or participate in our Instagram campaign. Here's how it works. Follow at national.psoriasis.foundation on Instagram, then find our giveaway photo. Comment on the photo, tag five people and ask them to follow MPF. Then MPF will send you a direct message to get your mailing info so we can send you a gift. Don't miss out. Join us today before August ends. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.